C-A-M-P-A-D-U-L-T-H-O-O-D Camp Adulthood Bridging the Millennial Divide One conversation at a time Interviewing guests Strangers and friends We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adulthood Hello and welcome to Camp Adulthood and the Resident Youth. I'm the Resident Youth, Maddie Yergi. And I'm Camp Adulthood, Shay Keats. And we are so excited today to welcome back a returning guest to talk about her newest project. And this is Brianne Wick, um, who is a fantasy author. Uh, and we just can't wait to hear hear all about her story and about the new project that she is bringing to life uh, this June. So Brianne, go ahead and introduce yourself and uh, let us know how you've been since last last year, year before last time, time plus. I know. I'm like not during the pandemic year because I feel like yeah. nothing happened. Um, but yay, I'm so excited to be back, ladies. Thank you so much for having me on again. Um, I It's hard for an introduction right now because I feel like I'm in such a weird transition time, but I'm really excited because I have moved on to sort of a new project, but also kind of um, a new career in a way. I feel like during the pandemic, I had my, let's call it middle-aged crisis, <laughs> even though I'm not quite middle-aged yet. Elder millennial uh, crisis, shall we yeah, say? Yeah, let's, let's call it that. Um, and during that time, I kind of just figured out and almost got in touch again with like my inner child in a way and kind of figured out that like I had always wanted to be a writer and instead of looking at the pandemic as, you know, this this thing that was this big obstacle and this big block out of what I was currently doing in my career, I took it as an opportunity to pursue something brand new. So I have gone from business coach, basically, and life coach to uh, fantasy and romance author. Um, and I'm I'm pretty excited about it. So, yeah, that's sort of my intro story right now. <laughs> that's so awesome. I think. That's amazing, and I like got all giddy to introduce you as fantasy romance author Brianne Wick. So I think you should just own that and run with it. Um, but if anyone does want to go back and listen to the episode where Brianne talks about her concept of brave fear, it is very much worth a listen and still, uh, still a beautiful, I think, a beautiful concept, even yeah. if it's not your primary focus. And still very relevant, to be honest, because I include a whole lot of that stuff even in my, even though it's a novel, it's a fiction novel, but it's still in there, you know, and it's so, uh, what I believe in in my philosophy still remains the same no matter what I'm doing, I suppose. That's so awesome. I love that. And before we get into our other segments, just to place us, this is Memorial Day weekend, so if you hear a little bit of fun noise from us. Dearest Shay is coming back from looking at whales and other things. So thank you for bearing with us. And also I love your cat meowing Brianne in the background too. So I am glad that our listeners are getting the full experience and that we can get this content to you. <laughs> I just muted it just in case because I was like, oh my oh God, no. I love it. We're used to it. We have dogs. We have. I'm in New York City. There's always an ambulance. So we're here for it. Very real. True. Um, cool. Well, before we dive into the interview portion, um, Shay, do you have a hot topic for us? 
Well, I just wanted to make a summer travel podcast recommendation. Um, as Maddie was saying, uh, David and I went up to visit a cousin, uh, one of my cousins who has a boat uh, moored in northern Washington. I guess it's like, I don't know, geography here is weird, but uh, on the Canadian border. And uh, we had like five and a half, six hour drive. So we were like, what can we listen to? And I think I recommended this podcast before, but it is so great for summer listening. And if you're a true crime fan, um, it's called Someone Knows Something. And it is by Canadian journalist David Ridgen. And basically he looks at cold cases. Uh, He's done like three in Canada and three in the U.S. And he kind of follows the story. Um, and some of the cases are quite cold, so like 20 plus plus years. And sadly, he doesn't actually get any answers, but he like explores the story. And then the whole idea is that by like putting it out there, listeners will say like, oh, yeah, I heard podcast and I was there and I know what happened and uh, they'll come forward. So um, I love it. We really enjoyed the most recent season. Um, also, I find that David Ridgen has a very soothing Canadian accent and I can listen to him read the book to me. So that is uh, my hot topic slash hot rack for hot back summer. I love that. We're here for it. Do you have any thoughts, Brianne? On true crime, um, are you a big podcast person? I have not honestly listened to a podcast like for like the entire year of 2020. I, I feel think like it's you're just not because alone. I've been yeah. home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but my husband is a huge true crime fan. So I'll have to ask him if he's listened to this one in particular, Shay. But he loves all of these podcasts. He loves everybody talking about this stuff. He like he wants to know like all the things. So I hear about it all from him, but I've never personally listened. <laughs> Totally fair. Very cool. I are going on a trip. The crimey bit isn't too like scary or gruesome because it's all so cold. So it's a good it's a good thing to listen to with mixed company if you are not personally a true true crime fan. Hmm. Good to know. Oh, see, there you go. Yeah. That's like yeah, that's a really good endorsement right there. Very cool. <laughs> that might actually get me. <laughs> Nice. Uh, all right, Maddie, how about yourself? Um, what toasty log do you have for our first campfire of summer? Yeah, I feel like I was thinking about what I wanted to talk about. Um, obviously, it's Memorial Day, so I feel like I would be remiss without acknowledging that. And also the Tulsa massacre and just everything that this weekend represents. I was also in D.C. this weekend, so definitely feeling all the feels. And oh, want wow. to thank everyone and their families for the sacrifice. So that's... Um, what I've been thinking about this weekend, but also just more generally, I went to DC with my boyfriend, Jim. So we had a fun, like couples vacation. And I feel like this is kind of a contra. I feel like it's kind of controversial, but not really maybe within couples, but um, Jim and I are definitely big, like hotel fans. I feel like in some couples it's like, are you an Airbnb fan or are you a hotel fan? So very interested in your guys' take on that because I feel like we've talked about on this podcast before. I and Jim and I are definitely like this where, you know, I'm pretty frugal in my day-to-day life, but I'll splurge on an experience if I'm going on vacation or doing something like that. Like I'll spend the couple extra bucks to stay at the bougier hotel and then make up for it elsewhere. 
Um, and I just love being in a room that I don't have to clean and sitting in a hotel robe and watching free cable and HBO, like free coffee in the lobby. I love like randomly talking to tourists from Iowa, just the whole experience. So <laughs> that's my hot topic for today. <laughs> I'm right there with you. <laughs> I feel like your soul sister in this way, because I'm totally all about the bougie when you can like have full experience with it. Yeah, I'm going to have to just let's make that uh, a triple there because I feel the same way. Although, if I, I don't hate an Airbnb, especially if I get one of the, like, what are they called now, like, super hosts mm-hmm. or whatever. But I don't know. I, I'm very, very particular, and then I get very overwhelmed, like, searching for Airbnbs. So I have, like, my couple hotel chains or, like, boutique hotels that I like and I'm always a very happy camper when when that happens yeah well it seems like we're all in agreement yeah it's just so I feel like I just had such a lovely weekend and also post-covid being able to even be in a hotel and have it feel normal and stuff was great so yeah that's where I'm at that sounds wonderful and I love DC it's so great it's a really fun city to visit it's awesome what about you Brie oh go ahead Shay She's cutting in and out. Yeah. I don't know if you had a question, Shay, but. Regularly, now that she's very zip close. Are you asking how oh, close Brienne is to DC now that she's moved? Maybe we should talk to listeners yes. about that. You've sent, the last time we talked to you, you were on the West Coast, and now you've now moved to I East. am on the East Coast, yes. I now live in North Carolina. Oh my gosh, how has um, that been? I'm not sure how far away from DC I am, though, so I would have to, like, Google that. <laughs> but it. You know, it has been really great. I love being on the East Coast again. I actually lived in North Carolina right after college, um, and I've not moved back to the same area. I was in the Asheville area the first time around, which is an awesome city, but now we're in just right outside of Charlotte. Um, And again, another awesome city. But it's been really weird moving here um, because we basically moved here. We were here for six months, and then the pandemic hit. So it's been kind of like... You know, we're still feeling like we're brand new here, even though now we've been here for, uh, you know, over a year and a half. So bizarre is is kind of the best way to sort of put this right now. But we still love the area we're in. So it's uh, it definitely was a good move. And I I love being on the East Coast. That's great. I am definitely an East Coast girl. I'm figuring out. (laughs) Very cool. Um, So, Brianne, do you have a toasty hot topic for us? If not, we can dive right into the interview. But anything Um, that's weighing on your mind? I was actually going to kind of piggyback off of what you were just saying, because recently on the Daily Social Distancing Show, which is making me, which just cracks me up every single time he introduces that. But with Trevor Noah, he interviewed um, the director for Dreamland, which is that CNN documentary basically coming up about the Tulsa massacre. And I think that it's one of the things I think I'm, I don't want to say excited to watch, um, because it's such a horrible topic, you know, but I'm, I'm interested. I'm really interested to see, uh, the way that she portrays this because the way that she was talking about it already sounded incredible. And just like the way that she's going to dive into everything. So I'm with you on, um, just the knowledge that's been going around about the Tulsa massacre again. And uh, honestly, my husband and I have been having a lot of discussions recently about how this was not something that was really ever taught to us in school. It wasn't something that was in our history. And 
um, we find it really interesting that that wasn't the case and we're starting to like learn these things and now we want to like soak up all the knowledge that we possibly can so anyway if you hadn't heard about that particular documentary that's one I'm actually really excited about to talk about that topic oh I did not know about that documentary so I'm definitely going to put it on my list that's awesome yeah it might be on tonight yes, <laughs> very good. I don't remember for sure to be honest but it is well CNN, once this comes out people that. can <laughs> go to the CNN website and stream it on demand. Yeah, there we go. Love it. All right. Well, shall we dive into the interview? Shay, you want to kick us off? Yes, let's do it. So I, again, we mentioned in our kickoff to the episode that Brienne is, uh, now is it a book debut? Is that what, is that the proper term? Launch, launching and debuting. Her, yes. Launching her debut novel. That's what I was That's it. That's there. it. That's perfect. Her debut novel, uh, June 29th, 2021. And it is called One Iridescent Night, a Cinderella uh, retelling. And I was so, so honored to be one of her first readers uh, for an earlier version of the book. And it is just phenomenal. And I can't wait for her to tell us a little bit about the plot. Um, but when I was helping her by doing... Uh, totally blanking on what it was that I did for you. Not a developmental edit. That's not the right word. It's called beta reading. Beta reading. I was like, what is it called? <laughs> Sorry. Clearly, I, <laughs> I know, but you said it perfectly copy. the first time. It's a first read of an earlier version of the book. That's like, that's the yes. perfect way to put it. Excellent. Uh, but, you know, it's funny. I've done this a lot for friends and clients. And I was like, okay, we'll see. And then I got in there and I was like, this is so good. And I got to the end and I immediately emailed Brianna and I was like, I hope you're like halfway at least done with the second one because I need to know what happens to these <laughs> characters. I'm like very stressed out. Well, I'm not stressed <laughs> out, but I cannot wait for book two. So um, Brianna, why don't you tell us, us, us a little bit about uh, what the book is about and what inspired you to write it? Mm, yeah, the, the book luckily is a fairly easy one to describe because it is a Cinderella tale. Um, so this is a bit of a reimagining, but it has the same Cinderella beats that you're used to, um, you know, minus a few, plus a few, that kind of a thing. So it's definitely a fun retelling. It's a fun, you know, kind of let's let's bring us back into this world. But I wanted to dive in a little bit further to what happens after, uh, you know, Cinderella basically gets saved by the prince. And I did that in quotations with my hands. Um, <laughs> Because I think that after the trauma that a Cinderella character, especially Cinderella specific, has, you know, gone through, there is a lot of fallback that would happen, right? Um, so my book actually deals with some heavier topics like PTSD, um, you know, panic, anxiety, and I just feel really strongly that those topics need to kind of be talked about. So. The, the thing that I did, though, with this book is I made it playful and fun. So even though I'm talking about, you know, harder topics, I wanted to make it be in a way that you read the book and you feel f like thoroughly entertained the entire time. And you don't necessarily realize that you're reading about mental health issues. <laughs> so that was like a really big thing for me with it. Um, but I really wanted to explore a lot more of kind of what happens afterward and put a lot more emphasis on the story of Cinderella and who she is and, you know, some really fun twists in there, which I can't give away because mm. I would totally spoil some things. Um, but putting some fun twists in there to give you a brand new Cinderella character that even though she's super familiar, uh, is, is, a, is a whole new experience. So 
it's going to be a three-part series. This is book one, and then I'm going to have book two and three that just dive in a whole lot deeper into her life and love life, <laughs> you know, romance, let's just say. Um, and uh, <laughs> I'm like, I love romance. And uh, yeah, so there's a lot that happens, but this very first book is definitely the Cinderella tale that people are familiar with. Gosh, I and love. we will link to all of the places where you can purchase the book. I'm certainly going to be purchasing it and several copies from people who I know are big fans of this genre. Um, so Brienne, can you tell us a little bit more about your main character, Evelyn, and what you love about her and, and a little bit more about what makes her different because she is such an amazing, like I love, she's such a spunky character, but she's also, and so strong. But like you said, she's also endured a lot of trauma and she really kind of has to like come into that her own power in a way. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe it's like a quiet spunkiness. Cause when I said that, I was like, that's what I got from it, but maybe that's my-, uh, my I'm so glad that you got that. No, I okay. think that's amazing. <laughs> Um, but yeah, my main character's name is Evelyn or Evie um, to some. And for for me, I something that again, a kind of a big pet peeve of mine was how I feel like they always take the Cinderella character and they make her very meek and mild. Um, and mine is still that, like Evelyn is still, you know, meek and mild in a way, but she has her moments. Um, I think for anyone who's ever been through really hard stuff, not everybody's experience is the same and not everybody reacts the same, but when you have, you know, constant trauma and constant anxiety and stuff going through your body, you're going to have different moments where you kind of like blow up here or there, you know, or you panic and, and, and break down or, you know, whatever. And so I show those in the book and I, and I make sure that I bring those out in her character. So you're seeing kind of that internal struggle. Um, and I got really excited about that because I, I have all of those problems personally. So it was one of those things where I really wanted to be able to read a heroine basically that struggled with the same things that I have. Um, Cause it was one of the things I felt was lacking in a lot of the books I've read, even though I love to read and I love all these kick-ass heroines and they're so awesome and all the stuff, but I wanted to make someone who was not kick-ass to be honest, but she was still really strong in a quiet way. Um, and, you know, comes into her voice and everything in this book. So. That's a little bit more about her character. I love that you found her spunky, Shay, because I wanted her yeah. to still be like meek, but I wanted her to be spunky. So I'm really, really yeah. pumped that that came out. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. Well, no, she's definitely got some, got some sparks going there. Yeah. So, she's got um, some grit. <laughs> some grit for sure. Uh, now this is a romance fantasy novel. So what? Mm -hmm. can, and I'm trying so hard to not like spill out I all know. the spoilers. It's very difficult. <laughs> Uh, but tell us, I, I thought the love triangle was very unique. Uh, so what can you tell us to tease our listeners about this very, very fun love triangle? I, well, I'm of the mind. I love love triangles personally. I just think they're like the best thing ever. I want all the angst. <laughs> I want to like, like not know what's going to happen. So for me, I also wanted to make two different characters instead of like in the Hallmark movie where you can tell like there's the one, you know, good guy and there's the one bad guy and she's not supposed to be with him and all this stuff. Uh, I wanted to make two characters where you kind of like them both or maybe you prefer one or the other, but like neither is mm -hmm. ne necessarily a bad 
guy. Um, they're both good and bad God, in their I own love beautiful that. ways. What a yeah. phenomenal choice. I wish I had yeah. that. <laughs> I know. Well, and that's part of it, right? I'm like, I feel like Cinderella got the bad end of the deal where she didn't, she didn't get to date her whole life. She meets the prince and then that's it. Like she didn't get yeah. any options. Like let's give our girl some options. So <laughs> she does have two love interests. Um, in this one, she has kind of a childhood best friend as one of the love interests. And they get separated for a while and stuff like that. But I, I like the idea of her having had someone in her past um, that, you know, is still kind of with her before she meets the prince. And then, of course, when she meets the prince, she's like, what's up? You know, like there's there's somebody yeah. new to to grab her attention. And I, I just think that that kind of idea is really fun. So uh, in this story, the childhood friend who's the love interest is the guard. And the um, the prince is the prince, obviously. So we've got a guard and a prince kind of trope happening here, which is also, again, one of my favorites. If you guys have ever read The Selection, um, I just forgot her name, which is terrible I because I shouldn't get that. But it was one of those. Kira Cass. Yes, Kira Cass. Thank you. Um, yeah. It's it's one of those that was like a classic hit if you're if you're into that kind of a thing, you know. I think it's about to be made into a Netflix show. I'm not sure, but she had that love triangle thing going on in her book. And um, that's something that a lot of people have compared mine to as the feel of it. The rest of it isn't quite the same, but I love that it kind of captures that same uh, romantic feeling. So, and I personally loved those books. <laughs> yeah, I want, I haven't actually read them, but I've seen you recommend them and a few others. Um, and I look forward to checking those ones out as well. So I had like kind of two other questions related to the story before maybe I turn it over to Maddie uh, to ask some questions about, well, whatever Maddie's questions are that she has, but <laughs> stories about your writing life and what that looks like to, to be a writer and to that transition. But the two other things that I really loved about this book first of all, are that the supporting characters are so strong. So if you're someone who like loves supporting characters, they are amazing. So I was curious of who is your favorite supporting character that you wrote? And are we allowed to talk about the thing that begins with an F and ends with an Airy? Mm, okay. Um, well, we can I can also say- edit this as needed if we can't. Yeah. <laughs> I know I'm like no spoilers um well my favorite I love my side characters like so so much I I actually love them a little more than my characters (laughs) that sounds so funny but writing them was so much fun um so Becca is my best friend so she's Evelyn's best friend and she's my absolute favorite character ever I I had so much fun writing her um And frankly, her, uh, Becca and Evelyn are basically a combination of my personality just split into two people. So it was really exciting to kind of get to write both of them. But Becca's my favorite. Can't help it. I love her. She's like the best friend that I wish everybody had. Um, And yeah. (laughs) Uh, And then as far as the other thing, I mean, we do still have a fairy godmother character, right, in this. I don't want to give away too, too much with it. So that's kind of what I'll say with that. But I do keep a fairy godmother type of character. um, But I do put a fun twist on that. And the twist continues throughout the the book in a different way. So I will put it like that for now. Because 
I feel like it would spoil a few things. Yeah, full disclosure, I have not read the book. I'm really looking forward to it, and especially after (laughs) um, hearing you guys talk about it and how excited Shay was, I feel like I'm even more excited. Um, (laughs) So to me, as someone who hasn't read it, I don't feel spoiled, so for what it's worth. Okay, good, good. I know, I'm like, I don't want to give it away. Yes, but intrigued, so I feel like it worked. Now I want to read the book more. Um, (laughs) Very exciting. Shay, did you have more questions about the book specifically? No, I I think, uh, you know, I want to turn it over to your questions. And then if you don't hit the last few that I have, I'll I'll throw those in at the end. Great. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm, like I said, really excited to read the book. I'm curious, kind of taking it back. So I know you're the source material is so known here with it being a Cinderella story is Cinderella specifically and Disney or fairy tales as a genre. Has that been something that you've been interested in for a while? Kind of why this story? Cause I think, you know, I would again, encourage people who haven't listened to Brianne's first episode where you kind of went more into your own mental health struggles and that journey, which I think dovetails beautifully into this. Um, but mm-hmm. curious, why go with something where there's already so much content out there, so much preconceived notion about what Cinderella is versus maybe writing a novel where you're you're creating brand new, totally fresh characters? Mm-hmm. I love that question so much because, yes, number one, huge Disney fan, um, <laughs> 100%, cannot help myself. So I, you know, 90s kid, grew up on all the Disney movies during that time, which, of course, are the best ones. Um, and <laughs> not biased or anything. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, but I love fairy tales. I have always loved fairy tales. And I love Disney and um, Ever After is like my favorite movie of all time. And this kind of has all of those, you know, sort of combined in in the book. Um, to be honest, you're going to have the Disney feel. You're going to have an Ever After feel, which is super fun. But I actually started writing two different stories before I landed on writing um, the Cinderella retelling. And I was really trying to kind of, it almost felt like forcing the issue of talking about trauma and abuse and anxiety and, you know, the mental health stuff that comes with it, PTSD. Um, But then all of a sudden, I, it kind of came to me, the story came to me in a way, because it's not something that I thought of, to be honest where I was like, well, there's already a beautiful story out there that deals with this. Um, why don't you start with that and then build off of that into your own thing, which is exactly what I'm currently doing. So I took the story we're familiar with because it already gave me a girl, you know, a young girl who is going through an abusive situation um, and like allowed me to just kind of cultivate that conversation and that topic really seamlessly and as soon as i switched from what i was trying to write to telling it in a cinderella tale um all of a sudden it worked and that's the reason that it actually happened it wasn't like i sat out to like do a fairy tale retelling which is i think really funny um but me personally i i have always really connected with the cinderella story she's not my favorite princess it's not my favorite movie but it is my story, to be honest. And it's like, it was so, so much easier for me to kind of tell the tale that I wanted to tell within the confines of that fairy tale. Um, but yeah, I, I think that for me personally, because I resonated with Cinderella specifically, um, even when I used to tell people my story, I'd be like, well, actually, 
I was really just kind of Cinderella. I mean, you know that tale. And it made it easier for me to even tell my own personal story. Um, so to kind of incorporate some of that into that fairy tale and just anyway, it brought it all together, which was awesome. That is great. I think yeah. that goes right into my next question of, you know, Shay touched upon this the last time we talked to you. You were running this business, solo entrepreneur, doing um, coaching and running these retreats and all these things. So to go from that to full-time writer, what did, what did that look like? Like, how does your day-to-day look just mm-hmm. for you personally? I can imagine that that was a huge shift. So not the mental breakdown part, but then the after. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes. As much, as, um, as much or as little as you want to share. No. I mean, the, the truth is, is that with the pandemic, obviously, I wasn't able to host those retreats anymore. And so it is really cool that I kind of got to just jump into this. Um, and I am the person to just jump into something and go for it. So for me, it was a really easy transition as soon as I put my mind to it, that like, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I want to pursue. Um, and it came from sort of that dream space of like, how do you want your life to look? And I was like, well, I want to wake up every morning and I want to write, you know, what's in my imagination. Um, And I want to share those stories because I have such a vivid imagination. And I realized that I had been writing my whole life and kind of attempting this, but on the side, not believing in myself, like all, you know, this was something I shoved into the corner. Um, But I mean, I started writing books when I was like, eight (laughs) like you know it was one of those things where that's what I meant by I got back in touch with my inner child because I you know as a kid this is what I did um and so it's been really fun for me to actually do this again and I'm not going to say that writing's not hard because it's really hard but it has been a really joyous experience for me um and also really healing in a way too because i kind of did have that breakdown on you know uh, on top of everything else that was sort of going on and um switching careers and there's a bit of grief around that and even moving i mean i have like all kinds of things yeah. happening and burnout happening and everything else um but writing has brought me uh, a whole lot of joy and healing and it's been like this really cool experience for me um but I've had to learn a lot because I was not a writer I did not go to college yeah for that was gonna this be was not... <laughs> that was gonna be my next question um yeah. which I want to pause and just acknowledge how beautiful that is and I think even for people that you know aren't looking to have such a big career shift I think it's good for anyone listening to get in touch with their inner child and find some sort of outlet for that, whether it is their full-time work and something that they're monetizing or even something for themselves. I think that's that. And Shay and I have talked about, you know, our own burnout cycles and all these things over the course of the years. And it's such a millennial topic. And I think Mm -hmm. avoiding how do people avoid these crisis moments is by making a sustainable effort to have creativity and have joy and all of those things. So I think that that's very inspirational, but yeah, that was going to be my next question was how, because to me, I'm, I'm such a analytical math spreadsheet person that I'm like, I can't even conceive of how someone writes an entire full length novel. So how did, what was that learning process for you to be able to, because it's, it's creative and it's, but it's also learning a crap. Like there is, Yes. So you, you speak to that. <laughs> I mean, totally. Cause like everything you were just saying is spot on. It is a craft and it is, I mean, 
Can I swear on this podcast? Yes. Yes. Okay. We have an explicit <laughs> like, rating. I was like, of I'm course. pretty sure. Yes. Oh, <laughs> yes. But when you write the very first thing, no matter who you are, if you have experience or you don't like me or whatever, but you have a shitty first draft. And I mean, it's like shitty. Yeah. Like this is, I don't care who you are or how good you are. It's bad. Um, but I still was kind of just like, okay, I'm going to just accept the fact that it's going to be a shitty first draft and it's going to get better. And each time that I revise and, you know, working with my editor has been huge actually in this. And she's been teaching me a lot just by her editing. Um, and also the notes she gives me and everything else. But like, if you don't know what you're doing, it's okay to still jump in. And that's what I kept telling myself. I was like, no, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to jump in and I'm going to learn as I go. Um, and I'm one of those people too, who's hands-on person. Like I, I like need, if I'm going to learn something, I need to like be hands-on in it. Um, so I really just threw myself into this. Reading a ton is something that really, really helps though, because you can start to get, you know, a really good sense of how a book flows and how to write things like dialogue. I mean, it's like the stupidest stuff. Me and grammar still do not get along, but that's why I have an editor. Um, but you know, it's, I think that it's much both it's more complicated, but it's also easier than you think it is. Um, part of it was I had to let go of that analytical side of my brain, just like you were talking about, and just let it flow from, you know, the soul, basically, instead of trying to map it out in my brain entirely. Um, because if I did that, I would sit there and question every single sentence I was putting down on the page, instead of just letting it happen. So I had to kind of like, it was like a letting go process in a way too of like, and I think that's part of why this was healing, um, yeah. just writing, but it was like, I had to sort of like let go of my preconceived notions and just write the shitty first draft. It's like, as soon as you do that, it's so freeing because all of a sudden then I had, you know, 114,000 word novel on my hands. And I was like, how did I get here? You know, this is amazing. And then from there, it just gets better and better and better. It's hard work, but it gets better and better because you're like, well, I learn with every single revision I'm making on this. Yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 Oh, I love, I, I love that brand. Sorry to, to cut you off there, Maddie, but I think, you know, especially one thing I wanted to point out for our readers, you know, they're or readers. See, I'm already calling like readers. Readers. <laughs> readers. Uh, same people, hopefully. Readers, our listeners would be your readers. Uh, but, you know, there's such a, this mythology, right? Like, I have my master's in literature, and, you know, there's this really crippling mythology about, like, what a writer's journey has to look like and what a writer's life has to look like. So I I love stories like yours, Brian, right? Because there are all of these people out there who think, like, they have to do A, B, C, 1, 2, 3, and only if they do it in this order do they then deserve to be a writer. But right. you did this amazing thing where you claimed that title as your own by just sitting down and writing the shitty first draft. Mm-hmm. And I love how you, the word that you use that that's very freeing. Um, and I think it's really powerful too. So, I mean, just kudos to you and, and any of our listeners out there who are struggling with the creative project because they feel like they're not doing it right you know mm-hmm. because they're caught up in some mythology that it has to be and not that this wasn't hard for you but that it has to be miserable right mm-hmm. um let go of that you know yeah and i i think i honestly really had to do that too because i had had in my head for so long that i'm not a writer you know i was like i can't write like i don't 
who am I to even like call myself this? Like, I, I have no idea what I'm doing. And like, you know, and I looked at all these other writers and I, my whole life had grown up being like, well, I can't ever do that. Like, that's not, that's not something I could ever do. Um, but it did, it, that's what I mean. It kind of took my like breakdown moment though, to sort of get to that place of not rock bottom. Right. But like, we were, oh, we were pretty yeah. low one day. Yeah. Um, and then just kind of be like, but I've always wanted to do this. And honestly, life is too short to not do the things we really want to do. You know, if you, if you have it in your heart and in your soul for like something that like, it just calls to you, go for it. No, you don't know what the outcome's going to be, but wouldn't you rather say you did than you didn't? Like, that's the thing I was telling myself. And, um, I, I really embrace that philosophy from my own personal life because I feel like I, you know, I don't want to look back and think, why didn't I, you know, uh, I want to look back and be like, I did that. And that takes a lot of bravery in a way, which is back to that brave fear <laughs> stuff, which I've been telling, you know, it's like, it, that will never leave me because it's, it's, uh, I would rather be brave while fearful all of the time than, um, than just fearful and not doing the things that call to me. So yeah, it's a, you know, <laughs> it's like, it's a hard thing to it. jump into, but it's really, yeah, it's yeah. been really fun. And each book is just going to get better. That's what I keep telling myself because I'm going to learn and oh it's going to get better every time. <laughs> yeah. So you know that it's going to be a three part series, but you haven't written them all yet. Truth. Yes, I have not written them all yet, but I'm currently writing book two. The first shitty first draft is already done, which is like, yay, now I have something to work off of. Um, but yes, I already know where the story is majorly going, but I'm one of those people that um, I don't plot out everything. I have kind of like the basics and then the story sort of comes to me um in the writing world it's called a pantser <laughs> which is really fun but it's like you're writing by the seat of your pants so it's like the story sort of like just comes to you while you're writing and, and that's something that works really well for me um which again is something else i kind of had to like my analytical brain had to like sort of shut down and allow myself to just like sit in this creativity so when i write that's that's what's happening when i'm drafting at least specifically that's what's happening but um I've already drafted book two and I'm about to go into revisions and stuff like that, which is really exciting. Um, but I'm hoping to get them out fairly close together so that you're not having to wait a huge amount of time in between books because I personally hate that. Thank like God. I want them to be like out. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Um, I love it. So Maddie, did you have uh, some more questions for our author? Yeah, I had one, I had one last question. I, I think, you know, the biggest overarching piece of advice is go for it and don't let the imposter syndrome get to you. But I'm curious from having written this first book and now going into book two, what's the biggest mm -hmm. piece of advice for a writer, someone that maybe didn't go to school for it, is doing it for the first time professionally? What do you wish that you had known maybe a year, two years ago before you had jumped into it? Mm -hmm. Any practical advice, writing advice? So something I wish I had known before jumping into writing the, the first book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hmm. Well, honestly, it's a lot of the business stuff. Uh, it's less about the writing, yeah. to be perfectly frank. And it's about like 
because I'm looking at this as I'm going to build a career writing right. novels. Um, this isn't a hobby to me. This is something that I want to like fully jump into. And so if you're going to do that, you need to treat it like a business. And, you know, having been a business coach and running my own business for a while, this was a little bit of an easier transition for me to kind of take, you know, even this creative field that to that place. But I feel like an entirely, like, I feel like an entirely new person to this. Like I'm a novice in the book world. So I'm having to learn an entirely new industry to figure out how this works. Like, how do you make money <laughs> basically being an indie author, a self-published author? Um, and it is a beast, you guys. Yeah. So if you're going to like make this switch, the thing I wish I had done, even though I don't regret anything, but the thing I wish I had done was do a little more research on the business side of things and how this all comes together and how much you have to do, because there's a lot you have to do to launch a book um, before, because now I'm kind of in the place where I've been scrambling for a few months, like, oh, I need to do this. Oh, I need to do that. So uh, that's the thing that I would actually say is like invest in opportunities out there where they have like classes because I've now done that so I sort of have a better idea of what to what to do but like invest in those classes don't just like write the book and think they will come like because that's not how this works especially in the the you know indie publishing world um it's the same with any business you can't just build it and they will come you have to put in the effort uh so learn about where you need to put in that effort in order to actually get your book to sell so that's a big thing I've been learning um and again big crossover for me already running my own business a lot of this stuff is the same but the industry is entirely different so learn about whatever industry you're moving into um but don't let that stop you from doing yeah. the thing you can learn still but definitely take the time yeah i love that and i love that you are an indie author i think that's really cool and i think you know so many people don't realize a there's so much power in being an indie author. The first one of the many reasons being that you actually get to keep your intellectual property. You don't mm -hmm. sell it to Random House or whatever, um, but and that you have control over your marketing, but also that there's real money in that, especially if you are writing um, genre fiction, which romance fantasy is, and I'm a huge genre uh um, I love that. But did you, were you always like, I'm going to go the indie path? Or did you think for a minute, I want to do traditional publishing? I sort of always knew I wanted to go the indie path. But I think that's the entrepreneur in me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Like yes. I've been doing the indie path like for quite a while now. So for me, it kind of was like a no brainer in a way. Um, just because I, I feel like I'm hardwired to like do this stuff on my own in a way uh that sounds so weird but it's just like I like doing my own thing so it was that for me was a really easy decision um but I think too when you're thinking about this you do need to really you know kind of decide that's a business decision right like do I want to yes. go indie do I want to go traditional um, and neither is like good or bad or wrong or right or any of that exactly. like they're both exactly. beautiful um but yeah I uh that's part to me of like that like researching and kind of knowing the industry and all of that stuff. But for me, I was like, I just want to put books out there. Let's do this. If I was going into not, you know, genre fiction, like you said, um, and maybe, you know, like the self-help thing, because I tried to kind of start to write a book like that too while I was in my coaching business, um, 
I might look into not doing indie publishing, you know, and trying to pursue an actual traditional publishing. But again, it's just kind of learning about the industry um, because the more you can know about the industry, the better you can kind of prepare yourself as a business person, you know, pursuing your career with this stuff. So, yeah, but I, I do really love, I just, I just love the bootstrap thing. I can't help yeah. it. I love all the people who do it. <laughs> And there's really, there is good money in it if you can get there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Love it. Well, those are all my questions. Shay, where do you want to end? Well, I mean, I think I had, I could have, I think we answered most of my questions, but I'm always curious in what does a day in the life of Brianne, the fantasy author, look like? Because... I'm just a foyer and I love to know what people do all day. So is it different every day? Is it the same? Um, And then I'd love to know, you know, what are your best book recommendations for, I know you have a lot of them and you should all follow Brianne on Instagram. She shares quite a bit, but um, I'd love to know your top rec at the moment. So many books, you guys. Oh my gosh. I want to tell you all of them. Um, but yeah, a day in the life for me, I I feel like this is where I have to embrace my Enneagram 7-ness and maybe my ADHD. Who knows? I cannot do the same exact things every single day. It's so freaking hard. <laughs> it just does not work for my brain. But I do try and set myself up with some habits so that I can like be getting stuff done, you know, and, and have that be something that kind of just becomes, um, I look at everything like a project cause I need a start and end date. If I don't have those, it's really difficult for me to continue. Like I can't just have like ongoing things. So all of that said, I do wake up almost every morning and I work out, um, kind of first thing I actually read first thing to be totally frank, because I read literally all the time now. So I wake up and I read a couple of chapters out of whatever book I'm currently reading. Then I'll work out. Um, then I'll have some breakfast and I'll keep reading. <laughs> like just truth. I mean, I love working for myself for these reasons. Um, oh, but then after it. that, yeah, I, if I'm drafting, I make myself draft every single day. Um, there's something about writing every single day, especially when you're writing out a story and I set word, uh, not limits, but what's the word I'm looking for? Target. Like targets. Thank you. I set word targets for myself. So I try and reach at least 3,000 words every day when I'm when I'm drafting. Um, when I'm revising, it's a very different beast. So it kind of depends on the month and what's going on to sort of answer that full question. So for the entire month of April, I drafted. I basically wasn't on social media. I sort of cut off everything and I just allowed myself to be in the story and draft book two. Um, During the entire month of May, I've been marketing. (laughs) So I've been looking at May as like, okay, well, the book comes out in June. So I'm going to go ahead and take May to get my ducks in a row for all of the marketing and media stuff and just kind of allow myself to show up there. And I haven't actually touched the draft um, since I drafted it. I'm just letting it sit in the background right now and I'm focusing on marketing book one. Um, And now moving into June, I'm going to be revising book one while I still launch it. Uh, Sorry, revising book two while I'm launching book one is what I'm trying to say. Um, And I'll be working with my editor during this time as well during for developmental edits. So when I'm in this phase, so moving into June, it's going to look like every day I'm going to sit into the story. Um, and I'm going to make myself 
do a chapter basically. So instead of looking at it like a word count, then I look at it as a chapter. And the way that I tried to set this up when I explained it at the beginning is like, this is what I mean by I look at it as a project. So I give myself a very specific like target that I'm going toward and I just try and get to that same thing every day. If I can do that, then I'll bust out you know, uh, a draft in a month, I'll bust out a revision in a month. So it makes it a lot easier for me like that. Um, and then, you know, all the other little things that come in throughout the day, but I just make sure I have like my top things. Like what are the things I absolutely need? I need to read, I need to work out and I need to write. Um, and if I do those things then I'm pretty, pretty set. If I'm in a launch phase, then that also means I need to show up somewhere on media, you know, doing some marketing. Um, so I kind of have those those things that I make sure I do in some way, shape, or form. Um, but beyond that, I allow it to kind of all flow, <laughs> depending on what time of day I do it or where I do it and all of that stuff. But that at least is sort of my, this is how I organize my ADHD brain. <laughs> yeah. It seems like a lot of work. A lot of stuff. So good. Yeah. Yes. yes. It's not There's just like a lot. you... You know, I think this goes to Shay's point about the mythology around writers that you're like in a cabin somewhere, barefoot, like <laughs> sipping on a coffee, like no cares yeah. in the world. You know, that's kind of mm -hmm. my, but, you know, I'm sure there's fleeting moments like that, but certainly not <laughs> the everyday. Not at all for me. I mean, honestly, writing is like, it's beautiful because it's almost like I'm capturing a movie that's playing in my head and I'm just like typing as fast as I possibly can to get it out on paper. Um, but it's usually kind of a stressful experience. I'm really tired after I finish yeah. writing and then I'm like, okay, well now I need to go veg out and read a book or go watch, you know, Bridgerton or something like that. So I can basically calm down. But yeah, it's a... Uh, there it is a business even if you do it as a hobby to be frank like there's so many steps that go into actually completing and getting a novel out into the world um and there's a lot of stuff that kind of has to happen with it so even with the you know the whole writing process i draft and then there's probably like six revisions in between that and like having it some place where it can be good enough to go to my editor before it can like go back out to the public so yeah, I mean, there's a, it's, I wish I were just sipping cocktails all day. and <laughs> But right now I'm trying to find a quiet place to write where my husband yeah. won't come in and bother me. So, you know, that's. Well, hopefully the day <laughs> that the book comes out, you'll be sipping a cocktail. Oh, that for sure is going to be a little different. I am going to have like my big release party. I'll have it online or whatever. I'll have my glass of, well, it'll probably be ginger ale, to be honest, yeah. because I can't really drink wine right now. But I will have like my ginger ale there and I'll just sounds amazing. Be partying. Yeah. Love that. Awesome. So the book comes out so, when June 29th officially it'll be on Amazon specifically um, or from me because <laughs> I'll be doing that as well. Um, but yeah, I'll be doing a really fun uh, kind of special that if you want to signed author, you know, copy or whatever, um, that you can be getting that from me with a discount if you purchase the ebook and all of this stuff through Amazon so that you can kind of have all the goodies. But that's, uh, yeah, June 29th on Amazon. And where that's, can people, where can people find you online, your website, At, Instagram, all of the good stuff? 
all the good things. Luckily, it's at Brienne Wick for pretty much everything. So on Instagram, I even got on TikTok recently, you guys. Maybe that should have been my hot topic because can we just talk about it? I'm not on TikTok. TikTok confuses me. (laughs) I feel like an old woman. I can't figure (laughs) it out. Um, So anyway, I got on it. I've not done anything with it. Um, And then, you know, you can go to BrienneWick.com. And then I'm most active on Instagram at BrienneWick. Makes it makes it at least easy. Awesome. Well, we cannot wait uh, for your book to officially launch and get the word out there. And thank you, Brienne, so much for coming on and sharing uh, sharing with us. So we usually end with a rapid fire archery session, but since you've already experienced that, and we tend to ask the same. Oh, yeah, she didn't every give time. her book racks um, either. I'm just. Thinking. I know. Oh, you didn't. I forgot. <laughs> yeah, so give us your book rack. Yes. Okay. Um, Good call. Well, right now, I have an absolute favorite series that I'm currently reading. Um, she's currently still, well, I think she might have finished it. I think she's still writing it. But this is the Star Chaser Saga, is what she calls it. This is by R. Dugan, Renee Dugan. Um, and I'm currently reading her fourth book, which is called Lightfall, and it comes out soon. But it, she is just one of the most... I don't even know how to describe it. If you love epic fantasy, she is so descriptive and has like such beautiful characters that you just fall in love with. Um, Anyway, found family. We got a little princess who's a rebel. We've got like a hard kick-ass heroine. I mean, there's so many beautiful characters in her books, Um, but her series is incredible. So I would get started with hers and, and, uh, and just look that one up. But that is my probably one of my favorite series I've read so far right now. So that is definitely a top recommendation. That sounds so good. There's so many I want to recommend you guys. Come follow me on Instagram and we'll talk about all the books. But if you love epic fantasy, there you go. That's amazing. Amazing. Yay. Well, again, thank you, Brianne. Uh, We will be uh, talking about the book and hopefully... Hopefully you'll get lots of new readers. Yay. I know. Thank you so much. This was super fun, gals. I love it. Right. Thanks, campers. Thanks, campers. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Camp Adulthood is hosted by Maddie Yergi, resident youth, and Shay Keats, Camp Adulthood. We are produced by Jenny Mayfield. And this episode was recorded in Maddie's living room. You can find us on social media at camp underscore adulthood. You can email us hello at campadulthood.com and you can visit us at campadulthood.com thanks campers we hope that you enjoy your stay at camp adulthood